Hey, I was flipping through what's going on in Charlotte the other day, and somebody popped up that we know, a subject that we know, the signs of Charlotte. So we're going to talk about that right after we introduce ourselves. Bill Barty on the Carolina Outdoors along with... Wes Lawson on the other side. Bill, you know, this has been a long time coming, this exhibit and this interview also. <laughs> That's right. We've we've had this one in our back pocket. and For years. For years, for decades. And maybe we should back up a little bit and talk about the Charlotte Sign Project. Mm-hmm. It started back in 2010, kind of a celebration of the history of the signs and visuals of Charlotte. Mm -hmm. Uh, Neon was most celebrated, but not only that. The founder and executive director is a friend of the program. You'll recognize his name, and you'll recognize his voice as soon as we bring him on. Christopher S. Lawing is the founder and executive director. He had the book, Charlotte's Signs of the Times, that came out just a few years after the project began, but now a museum exhibit, the Charlotte Museum mm-hmm. of History, mm-hmm. um, has a newfound exhibitor with the a newfound guest curator being Christopher Lawin. Let's bring him on the program right now. Christopher S. Lawin, welcome to the Carolina Outdoors. Hello, everybody. Bill West, TJ. It's good to be back. Thanks for having me. Well, like Wes said, it has been a long time coming because of this curation has has uh, been kind of a project of yours, but now it is open. And we mentioned the Charlotte Sign Project. We understand how things can be celebrated digitally these days, and, and we understand signs as we drive through our town and towns. We see them all over the place, and we understand a book, too. You have a coffee table book. Um, the Charlotte Signs of the Times. But talk to us about a, a a curation in a museum. How are you putting this on? Is this uh, photographs at the Charlotte Museum of History? You know, it's a little bit of everything. And you're right, it's been a long time coming. Someone asked me the other day uh, if I ever thought it would get to this point. And I said, well, it did start out as photography and quickly turned into a book. And then natural progression was to start collecting some of these signs. And that is actually what is on display at the museum is some of the signs, the actual signs. There is some of my photography there, too. But if you're interested in seeing the real deal, the neon, the bright colors, the fonts, the uh, rusty patinaed metal, you can come and see it at the Charlotte Museum of History. So, Christopher, how many of these signs are donations? How many are stolen? How many of them are owned by you you or private collections? How's that work? (laughs) Well, um, thankfully, they are all um, collected and acquired above ground or above board, you know, so they're all ones I can talk about. But the interesting thing is, is with Charlotte's development, the city is growing so quickly. And so a lot of times um, I will actually work with developers to acquire some of these signs that are either going to head to the dump or be taken down. And um, it's, it's amazing how they really are tangible pieces of our history and our past that when put on display, you know, people, it's, it's like an aha moment. They realize, oh, this is what you're about. This is what you're doing. So, um, yeah, there's a number of different style of signs that 
I have been able to work with the community, and um, so most of them are from my personal collection. There are some that are from three community partners, and we can definitely get into that if you want to, but one of the most iconic ones that is on loan is the Penguin Drive-In, and that's uh, quite a big sign, you know, has a big penguin on the front of it, but um, yeah, have to come see it, uh, check it out for yourself. And you got that right at the zero hour, didn't you, just before it was supposed to go away? It was, yeah. And what was so cool about that is the neighborhood association that had been given that sign, actually, they reached out to the museum on their own, not knowing that there was going to be an exhibit. And so that's some of the magic of how this has all come together is the exhibit was in uh, in the works for a number of months, but then you're right. At the last minute, Penguin sign came in, and it had been in the news, and so people knew about it and really kind of rounds out what's on display. So the project that became a book that became a art exhibit and a, and a museum exhibit really is kind of documenting the city's history in a certain sense through culture and signs, and it's crazy how many stories people have about these signs you know can you talk to us about how that's happened as you've given these talks to in some cases some very large groups of very enthusiastic charlatans you're right they are enthusiastic and it can be about even the most insignificant sign you know something that i would have put money on that people would have commented about over the top, you know, maybe they don't comment about a certain sign, but then they'll see another one. Like there's one sign that's part of the exhibit, and it's a it's a really beat up piece of sheet metal, two by two feet, painted, hand lettered. Most of the paint is coming off, but it was at the Charlotte Observer's parking deck. And the number of media personalities that have come through the exhibit to give it, um, you know, some publicity they have all gravitated towards that sign. But I see that with a number of these different, you know, pieces of of, uh, Charlotte's history, probably the most prominent being the J that we have on display from the JSG coffee sign. And I have seen people cry and laugh and tell all kinds of stories about that sign. So it's really amazing how these kind of become part of our, our personal story and really, um, you know, kind of kind of pull at our heartstrings, especially once once they come down and are, are on display or saved. Well, where's the F and the G? <laughs> oh, goodness. Are those I outside? That so much. And uh, an undisclosed location, but um, at a sign company. So, ah, and that's what's great it. about that is the J was the only letter that would fit into the museum. The other two <laughs> letters were so so big, they would not even fit through the doors. We would have had to take out windows and, you know, lifted the roof off kind of thing, like a biblical, you know, pull the sign in type deal. So the J is the one that's on display. And, uh, yeah, the F and the G, if, if anybody out there needs, uh, needs a write-off or something, want to lend me some space, I'm all ears. <laughs> Christopher, talk to us a little bit about uh, the, the importance of signs and then even the separation of a sign from a business. And I'm, what's on my mind is Ratcliffe Flowers, which is featured on the front of your book. And just recently in, in Charlotte, in fact, I saw a presentation by a former town councilman, a city councilman here in Charlotte, John Tabor, 
uh, about Radcliffe's Flowers, and they just moved that business, which has evolved over the years, uh, but they left the sign. Can you talk to us a little bit about that business and about that sign in Uptown Charlotte? Certainly. Oh, yes. You know, that's a really cool story, and I do always love to share that when talking to different community partners. That's a great example of a preservation achievement in our quickly developing Queen City where the past is hard to find. So the Ratcliffe Flowers sign is the oldest neon sign still in operation in Charlotte. It's from 1929. But the the city and the community um, were not always behind having it stay up and on display. It was actually saved because the gentleman who ran the business told city leaders and the Uptown Merchants Association when they wanted to clean up downtown and put a new sign ordinance in place. He said, no, this is my sign. You're not telling me what to do with it. And so it stayed up there even after the business moved. And what's great is, of course, everyone hops on the bandwagon and says, oh, you know, we we had a role in saving this sign. But reality is, if it wasn't up to uh, the citizen, Mr. Ratcliffe, that sign wouldn't be there. But of course, it's now been embraced by the city of Charlotte and really is a great example of a sign that adds character, adds, you know, cultural benefit to the fabric of our great city. And it's, it's something that I always point towards when people, you know, maybe are a little hesitant to get on the bandwagon to use that word again about um, you know saving signs I say well look at Ratcliffe's flowers that's a really cool sign tells our history the business is no longer uptown but it's uh, it's certainly a landmark cultural landmark October uh, October 16th is when the Charlotte Museum of History opened the curation the Charlotte Science Project guest curator Christopher Line is on the Carolina Outdoors with Wes Lawson and Bill Barty. Just a little heads up, the Charlotte Museum of History is located off of Shamrock Drive here in Charlotte. You can uh, uh, call over, make plans to go see that. But featured signs are from neighborhoods across the city. Dilworth, Plaza Midwood, Uptown, Oakhurst, East Charlotte, all are on hand there in the museum but Christopher, are there any signs that you are missing? Are there some signs you wish you had in your exhibit that you don't? There's definitely a number of those of those signs, and I have my eye on all of the historic signs that are around. I will tell you, it's kind of a double-edged sword because while I, I would love to have the signs as part of, of the collection, a number of these signs are still with historic businesses that are in operation. So I never, you know, want to wish for a sign so much that the business would close, but I do have my eye on ones that are around just in case, you know, the business uh, decides to shut its doors or something. And um, there's a couple actually that I, I also have in the Charlotte Signs Projects collection that is not on display at the museum. It's uh, what, what is on display is most of the collection, but not all of it. And there certainly are ones around the city, you know, on the west side, such as Wilkinson Boulevard. There's a number of beautiful ones over there. Uh, some still on Independence Boulevard and around. But as long 
long as the sign can stay up as long as possible and, you know, kind of give that beauty to the community, I'm all about it staying up. But once it comes down, I'm ready to get it. You know, Christopher, toward the very end of the first Indiana Jones movie, there's a huge uh, warehouse where two two <laughs> men push, presumably, the uh, the Ark off to be hidden. Is this where you keep all of your signs? What what are the logistics of storing a sign collection? Because you just said the F and the G from the the JFG coffee would require windows and roofs coming off. Where do you keep the collection? We don't need the address, but how do you store signs, I guess? (laughs) Yeah, the the quickest answer is a generous network of family, friends, (laughs) and sign companies in the area. But, Wes, I'll tell you, the biggest difference between that scene of Indiana Jones and what I have going on is uh, you don't know where that Ark of the Covenant went. It just disappeared. Right, yeah. But my collection, though it may look like a mess, it's it is very well organized. So <laughs> what you're saying is that you and Bill, you are not actually hoarders. <laughs> you, there, there's a well, method to this, is what you're saying. Well, the first rule for a hoarder is, you're not right so if i if i see you driving around with stacks of old newspapers and mail i should be concerned until then it's not a problem it's just it's just curation of history yeah good okay that's right it's in the name of history so So, speaking of that then um when did you realize that this project from 11 almost 12 years ago was growing into what would become a book and then eventually where we are now with a book and an exhibit. Yeah, that's a And a speaking question. tour. Love, sure, sure. Yeah, I love to talk about that because it really did start off just as let's take these photos for a photography class. Okay, let's take some more to preserve this history. And then I would say within probably three years, so definitely by the time I graduated high school and was in college, Um, I was already, in my mind, laying out the book, you know, trying to figure out how many pages this thing's going to have, how I'm going to do all the photography, um, what page is going to have what, what the, you know, entrance titles and um, introduction will be. So it it definitely took form in my mind pretty quickly. Um, But once that was published, you know, I had already started collecting some of those signs. So by 2017... Some of these signs were already coming down and in my collection, and um, it's, it, I mean, it, it has flowed from one one stage into another, but uh, I'd say within three or four years was when, when I said, okay, this is going to be a book, and it's, it's going to grow a little bit more than that. And then what's next, a, a theme park? Or are you going to branch out to other cities? Are there more? Is there Feature a, film. Um, because, I mean, so, I mean, you have spoken to groups. Is that still going on, even though it's, you know, we're in kind of this current and post-COVID environment? That's right. Oh, and even throughout COVID, I was doing Zoom conferences. I spoke at a NEON uh, worldwide conference just about a month or so ago, and that was via Zoom. And they had never offered it before, but because of COVID, they had to do a digital offering. So it's interesting what COVID has actually done for giving presentations and reaching a wider audience what's next i don't exactly know that's kind of been the thing about this project is i always had a general idea of where i wanted it to go or where i thought it might but whether i let fate happen or let it flow into the next stage but um 
maybe there is a theme park on the horizon. Maybe it's a sign park. Maybe it's a bigger museum. I don't know, but I, I just love to share this message of history with the Charlotte community, and uh, any way I can do that, I, I love to do it. Hey, Christopher, talking about that Radcliffe flower sign earlier, and of course it went up in 1917, and the city started cleaning up that area uh, visually. They didn't like many of the signs, and and it recollects, too, we talked about some historic theaters here in Charlotte. Just recently, we had the Visualite Theater on the Carolina Outdoors. For all of our listeners out there, we're blasting up and down the eastern seaboard via WBT radio, but also via podcast. So you can go back and listen to the Visualite. But, Christopher, many of these areas went, quote, unquote, seedy. You don't include any seedy signs in there, do you? <laughs> well, it, it depends on your definition. You know, if it's if it's lounges and there you uh, go, advanced theaters. I don't have any of those. <laughs> okay, but you know, a number of these signs did come from areas that maybe at one one point had been one thing and then had changed over a period of time. And so you can actually, I love to tell the progress and the, the changes of Charlotte through a lot of these signs because they have witnessed neighborhood changes. They've witnessed a lot of history. And that's, that's kind of one of the cornerstones that they help tell well, that it, story. That lends toward my next question. Is the museum exhibit for old Charlotte or is it for new Charlotte? It's for everybody. So it's definitely for old Charlotte. If you want to relive some memories, go down memory lane. And Bill, as I like to quote you, if, if you want to go into a time capsule or not capsule, but a time travel, this, this exhibit's for you. But it's also for the people who maybe moved to Charlotte last month and they want to learn about some history. Maybe they don't know what Arts Barbecue is or what Joe Hooper's or the JFG sign is. But they can get acquainted with Charlotte, understand our city's past by just going in there, reading the stories, kind of visualizing on a map where these places were and kind of meshing that with their personal experiences of, of living here, however long that they have. So it's a pretty cool deal that can uh, reach, reach kind of cross-generational divide. Christopher S. Lawing is his name. He is the founder and executive director of the Charlotte Science Project. He's also guest curator at the Charlotte Museum of History with their Charlotte Science exhibit. You can go over there and check it all out. And, hey, another shout-out to our podcast. Christopher, uh, thank you for taking the time to be with us on the Carolina Outdoors from the North Carolina State Fair. For listeners out there who want to learn more, we had Heather Overton on the program just recently. The fair's going on through October 24th, and uh, don't eat all the funnel cakes up there, uh, Christopher. <laughs> I'll try. I'll bring one back. That'll be the, the last one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Wes went ooh. I don't want I don't want old funnel cake that's ridden in the car. That's no thank you. I appreciate the gesture. Well, just, well, I'll, I'll just eat it. I'll that's eat fine. It yeah. Just give us a shout out from the top of the Ferris wheel. That's right. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much. This has been awesome. Thanks, Christopher Line. Off you go, and off we go. Wes Lawson on that side. Bill Barty on this side. We're the Outdoor Guys from Jesse Brown's on the Carolina Outdoors.